Hello friends, and welcome to another episode of Bat Flips and Maple Dips. My name is Clayton Croker, coming to you from Saskatoon. Justin Anderson, as always, from Saskatoon. And as always, our buddy in the Maritimes, Patrick Marsh. Thanks for uh, listening to this episode, all the episodes that you've listened to. If this is your first time, hey, glad we're popping your cherry today. That's awesome. But if you uh, listen all the time, really, really appreciate it, whether it be on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, wherever. Uh, thanks for the follows on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at BFMD Podcast. We're hilarious. Give us a follow. Give us a retweet, all that shit. Um, we're going to be getting into some grades. It's grading season. Even though in the schools, it's like midterm season, but screw it, it's grading season for us. We're going to be taking a look at the outfield and uh, giving them a grade. Spoiler alert, not a lot of good grades out there. It's going to be a little iffy. Uh, we're going to be talking about the playoffs here coming up in a bit, maybe talking a little bit about our future roster in the outfield as well. But first, fellas, how's it going? Patrick, you doing good over there in the Maritimes? I am fantastic, buddy. Um, I got to say, I've been giving you guys updates over uh, the last few weeks about that crane that fell over <laughs> yeah. way back when Hurricane Dorian hit. I am very happy to announce that the crane is still there. Hey, it still has what? not been moved. Jeez. Yep, uh, like a flaccid penis uh, dangling <laughs> over the precipice of the city's metaphorical balls. <laughs> the Jeez. crane is still there. I thought everyone in Halifax was looking for work. I thought that they'd get some workers on that ASAP and people oh, would be lining up. Your, shut your mouth. <laughs> go Potash, baby. Let's Woo, go Potash. This episode brought to you by Big Potash. There's only like one Potash company. There's I like, like it. three or four. Well, there's Nutrien and then the rest. So yeah. I guess, yes, you are right. There is a Big Potash. You're right. Big Justin, potash. you doing good over there? Yeah, man. Doing well. I'm curious. Uh, how was the honeymoon? It was great. Lost my virginity. It was super cool. <laughs> like, wow, sex you, super fun. So you, you managed to avoid the sun for the whole trip until the last day. Yeah, too, so right? here's how it went down. Um, I got some really hardcore sunscreen from a friend. It's like tinted. So uh, when you put it on, instead of coming out as white, it's like a light brown. And when you rub it in, it, it actually makes you look tan. So I actually looked tan with this sunscreen, and it was like SPF 60. It worked great. Six days, I lathered myself in this stuff. I went through three spray bottles. Like, wow. you know, normal yeah, spray yeah, bottles yeah. for sunscreen? I went through three. Like, I'm super ginger, by the way. Last day, we check out at 12. Our shuttle picks us up at 4. So oh, I boy. wanted to stay at, the, like, the lobby bar and the restaurants and stuff. They had a bunch of bars and restaurants. I wanted to stay inside because I've done so well. Plus, I'm over the heat. Like, I'm not a heat summer sunshine kind of guy so i wanted to stay inside but my wife brenley's like i want to go sit by the beach just one more time there's lots of umbrellas out there it's fine well i sit under an umbrella that sucked like it was in the shade but the sun went through the fabric like the uv rays gotcha. so i sat there for three and a half hours no sunscreen plus 35 you roasted whole body was like red and like i had to travel 18 hours that day so I had an 18-hour travel day. So like a six-hour flight followed by another four-hour flight followed by another four-hour flight. sweating the whole time. I'm sweating. I'm itchy. Like every time I move, it hurts. It hurts. So I couldn't sleep at all. And it was just, other than that, it was awesome. <laughs> and like I made it the entire trip without having any incidents. Last fucking three hours. Burnt to a crisp. You itchy. Your, you let your guard down. Let my guard down just one time. But other than that, no, Mexico is a good time. Um, Cabo San Lucas is like Vancouver on steroids and ecstasy at the same time. It is 
Oh, it's a treat. I was drinking. So it's Vancouver minus the opioids. Exactly. I was I was I was taking my shirt off, which is really sketchy to do in a Mexico bar. Like, I, I told myself I before I went out. I, I told myself before I went out, don't do anything dumb. You're in a foreign country. You can't get arrested in Mexico. That's rule number yeah. one. I was pretty close. The shirt was off. <laughs> I was pretty close, but you just slothed around all week, eh? Yeah, no, I've been uh, been curling a lot again. It started up last weekend. Going to Estevan next weekend. Super oh, pumped for that. Let me tell you something about Estevan. It sucks. Yeah. I lived there for two years. Blows. Absolutely. Their rink yeah. is awesome. Like yeah, where you're playing, it's, yeah. it's, it's it's absolutely fantastic. But Estevan, if you're listening from Estevan, you're probably not even offended because you know that it's not yeah. that great. And, and uh, happy early Thanksgiving to all the Canadians out there. It's Thanksgiving on Monday. You guys doing any have any plans? It's so cheesy over here. I'm going to go back to Lloyd. <laughs> happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Yeah. Just the way you said it. You sound like Charlie Brown there. <laughs> happy Thanksgiving. I'm probably going to watch Charlie Brown Thanksgiving this weekend. For both of you in this podcast. <laughs> I'm thankful that that crane is still there. Yeah. We're doing yeah. uh, yeah. we're doing tacos with my family on Saturday. Nice. We do weird things for Thanksgiving. We don't do the traditional turkey. No, that's cool. And then we do friendsgiving with all the yeah fixins and stuff. We like used to that. do that in uh, in January after Christmas because mm-hmm. you buy cheap turkeys. And oh we'd, we'd yeah. Buy like two turkeys and cook them up like the first weekend in January when you came back to university. Mm-hmm. And then we just have like a Thanksgiving in January. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, lobsters in the Maritimes. Those I assume, Patrick. <laughs> no. We're going to be having turkey and ham and pie and all the fixins on Sunday. Uh, Are you going home too, Patrick? No, no. I'm going to be in Halifax, although my folks are going to be down for the weekend. Oh, nice. uh, so I, actually, I get to double dip. I get uh, a little something there on Saturday, uh, non-traditional Thanksgiving-style meal, and then a traditional Thanksgiving-style meal with the in-laws, although... We're all just one big happy family, so <laughs> what I'm is with the Charlie too. Brown stuff today? We're all just one big happy family. Hey man, it's Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to us all. Maybe I'm just like uh, with holidays, I'm kind of a screwed, so maybe I shouldn't say yeah, that. Yeah, a okay. quick, would you rather before we get to baseball stuff? Cool. Turkey or ham on Thanksgiving? Turkey. It's not even close. I think ham is garbage. Ham is We've such had bullshit. This talk before. Ham is oh, so here, overrated. Patrick, Patrick's thoughts on ham. Right let's let's Are just. No, we don't. We don't have time for a twenty-minute Yes, we, minute we got like ham. a minute. We got a minute. <laughs> I I want my sixty seconds. Right. Listen right now, everybody out there who's going to be celebrating Thanksgiving, I want you to think real, real deep about what you're going to be doing if you're going to be serving only ham. You're making a huge life mistake. If you don't have turkey on Thanksgiving, shut it down. Start over. Start from scratch. Go get that turkey now. Defrost it. Do whatever you need. Marinate it. I don't know. I don't know what people do with turkey. Rip all them guts out and stuff all the good stuff in it. Cook yourself a turkey. <laughs> Cook your family a turkey. Nobody wants ham. Ham is trash. Okay. Ham is garbage food for garbage people. Let's just leave it at that. Uh, let's get to some baseball, shall we? Um, the playoffs, can we all agree that it has been awesome so far? Yeah, yep. it's been great. Other than that New York and Minnesota series, which was a joke. Absolutely. I feel bad for the Twins. What was it, like 16 playoff losses in a row now? Yeah, and 13 of them have been to the Yankees, too. Ah. That hurts a, death, a, a lot. It's a death sentence. For but me. other than that, um, the playoffs have been pretty good right now. We are recording uh, currently as Atlanta is getting their – well, I, yeah, they did get their shit kicked in. Um, it's the seventh, like, it's eight, the seventh eight, eight, inning right yeah, now, but let's over. just say it's <laughs> over. So that's where we're recording right now. Um, let's talk about that series first, the Atlanta-St. Louis yeah. series. This one was back and forth. This was probably my favorite series so far. Like just the ninth inning moments and the – 
just the celebrations, the Molina mm-hmm. bat flip that he had, like to right field almost, you know. Yeah. Um, Patrick, your first impressions of this series? If it wasn't for uh, Melanson blowing game one, the series would have ended after three games. It was just, I, I like, it, it just <laughs> blows my fucking mind how many relievers during this playoff season have just blown games at the last minute and it's allowing all these teams the and look no disrespect meant to st louis or washington uh or tampa but the the they are not the better teams and they're they're squeezing out these wins at like the 11th hour uh in a lot of different cases and it just blows my mind how a team can get that far and then just just choke it all away. And this is Atlanta. You know what? This is their MO. This is what they've been doing for decades. Now they get into the playoffs uh, after having like a fantastic regular season and they just choke. It's, it's awful, but you know what? Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, I kind of thought this would be a close series. I I, I had Atlanta winning. I think most of us Me probably too. did, right? Yeah. You you thought Atlanta was going to go far yep. when we talked about this mid, kind of mid-season. And I mean, besides this game, they've been the better team in the series in my opinion. Uh just just some bullpen. Um St. Louis's bullpen's been solid and and, and Atlanta has given it up. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the with the uh the Cardinals in the second round because they've got a they got a well-rounded team. I wouldn't mm-hmm. say like they have some good pitching. And they have good hitters, but there's nothing on their team that screams like one side is lopsided. It's like they have a pretty well-rounded team altogether, so they could go far. Well, plus to the Cardinals, they have that tradition. Yeah. And in baseball, when you have that winning tradition, it just seems like it's a little bit of an advantage over teams they that don't have to that. Win. Exactly. So if they end up playing Washington, like if Washington somehow beats the Dodgers, yeah, that I mean, tonight too. give the edge to the Cardinals. One thing here, uh, Yachty celebrating hard on that sack fly. I mean, for a dinger... Definitely celebrate. But celebrating a sack fly, did you guys say yay or nay, Patrick? I mean, they got the win off it, so you know what? Yachty's been around for ever. <laughs> uh so I don't know. If I was him, I would do it. I mean, normally the only person who I think it's acceptable to pimp a pop fly uh out is <laughs> Puig, who did it years ago, but um I don't know. What it, it's the playoffs. Their emotions are running high, and that was like win or die for them. So, I don't know. I think it's cool. What do you think? Celebrating a sacrifice fly that hard? Uh, in the playoffs, I don't hate it. Regular season, I'd be like, fuck off. I'd say any other player other than Yachty or Molina, but, but he's earned it. Yeah. Molina? Molina. Good job, <laughs> Clayton. You talk for a living. Jesus. Um, let's get into that Yankees twin series a bit. We don't have to spend too much time on this one because it's been like every Yankees twin series for the past 15 years. The Yankees absolutely dominate, and Minnesota's bats go absolutely silent. End of story. Uh, that's basically it. Do we need to say anything else about this series, Justin? Or This just goes to show you that it doesn't matter how many dingers you hit in the regular season if you can't hit in the playoffs. Especially when you got a guy like Severino chucking. Yeah. He was he, he, lights he, out. They, they got so lucky he was able to come back at the end of the season. Yeah. Justin, do we need to, or Patrick, do we need to go any more on this series? Or Man, I wouldn't want to face the Yankees in the ALCS. There's just, they're, they're lighting it up exactly at the right time. Um, I'm going to make a spicy uh, oh, call right now. If the Yankees 
get into the World Series, they're going to win, and it's going to be because of uh, Didi Gr- Gregorius. Hmm. He was so good. Twenty-eight in the, rings in the DS. Yeah, like <laughs> it's just. I I think it. I I think it's the Yankees to lose, especially if Tampa Bay ends up squeezing out a a win over Houston tonight. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Or yeah, sorry, tomorrow. That's that's fucking bananas to me. I can't believe. Houston's frittered away a 2 nothing lead. Yeah, let's get to that series here, because at the start, I mean, Tampa Bay was hanging with Houston those first two games. Mm-hmm. It could have gone either way, but it's just the way that Verlander pitched in Game 1 compared to Game 4. Yeah. Oh, man. Like, it wasn't like it was Tampa Bay hitting him hard. It was he was missing his spots all day long. You could tell, like, the catcher was lining up on one side of the plate, and he was missing. Yeah, there was there's lots of people who are showing some stats, and, and Verlander just doesn't do as well on short rest. No. They should have given him that one extra day to Game 5, but they're thinking, hey, we'll have Garrett Cole for Game 5 on mm-hmm. Thursday, and he'll be on a, a regular slate of rest because of the off day today. Um, yeah. So, I mean, if, if, you can, if you can afford to throw Verlander on short rest to have Garrett Cole in Game 5, who struck out 15 batters in, like, all, in like just under eight innings in, in Game 2, mm-hmm. it's a pretty solid backup plan. Yeah. Do you and he's going to get home, too. Patrick, do you see Tampa pulling the upset here in Game Five? Is Garrett Cole confirmed to start tomorrow? He'll because he'll be starting. He'll be starting. There's no way he's not. I don't think he's confirmed yet, but there's no way he's, he doesn't start that game. He's got to be confirmed. Yeah, uh, I think they're. I think the Rays are fucked. I mean, Cole, Cole had their number, and it doesn't matter how many adjustments you make. Garrett Cole is just elite. Um, it is all the more uh, reason why someone should overpay for him in the off season pick him up but it was just ridiculous <laughs> uh game two i don't even think tampa had a chance in that game and i think game five the, the only way they're going to have a chance is to play like the smallest of small ball and pray to god that one of the houston hitters just doesn't light up whoever the hell they've got left to uh to start game five who's starting for the race it's tyler glasnow versus garrett cole <laughs> oh god <Ugh>. glasnow <laughs> had a good year yeah i know but yeah, I, I just don't like his chances against Garrett Cole. That's playing no. is like and Garrett Cole's been on another level this year. If Tampa can get on Garrett Cole early like they did with Verlander, I love their chances. That's true. That first inning is going to yeah. be key. Houston's bullpen is okay. Yeah, it's but not elite. By no mean is it like elite. It, no, it's, it's not an, like it was when they won the World yeah, Series. Yeah, it's an okay bullpen. Don't get me wrong. But if they can get Garrett Cole out of there early, Tampa's a good hitting team. Yeah, if Cole can only give him like five innings, I think Tampa's got a good chance. It is in Houston, though. It is. And I will here's, give... a, here's a question for you guys. Um, so a great way for Houston to throw off the Rays would be to throw out one of their relievers right away in the first inning. Don't start Garrett Cole. Nah, Have him come no. in inning two or you, three. You throw your best pitcher yeah. for in the biggest game of the season. You're, you don't, you don't really? fuck out with the bullpen. Especially when he got one, two, and three hitters up there. Yeah. But th- but think about how much it would throw them off their game I don't if, they, think it if would. they came out and it was Roberto Osuna chucking gas in the first <laughs> inning. Oh, I'd be pumped. If I was a leadoff hitter and it's like, I don't have to face Garrett Cole, here we go. Yeah, I, like, they're starting Garrett Cole. All right, that's... he's a traditional star. I, I see where I see. I see your point, but like a guy who's as good as Garrett Cole, who can strike out fifteen batters every time he goes out there, doesn't need an opener. Yeah, yeah, he's on a totally different planet this year, which is yeah. it's nuts. He's it's like he's playing for that max contract. Oh, yeah. for sure, he is. It's the he picked the perfect year to go off. 
He wants that Oprah money. Yeah, give him a taste Cole of man gets give him paid. a taste of their own medicine, I guess. Um, that last series though, the Dodgers and the Nationals. This one's been real, real good. So much fun. That game two, when Strasburg and Kershaw were going at it, yeah. everyone was like, "Oh, it's gonna be Kershaw! It's gonna be Kershaw!" Strasburg was lights he in was that incredible. game. Incredible, absolute lights. Patrick, um, again, we're recording on the day of Game Five. Who do you think's taking it tonight? Man, I have no idea who's gonna win this game tonight because. Game one was a blowout. Game two or game three was a blowout. Game four was a blowout. I, it, it's just it's crazy. Who's who are the starters for game five? Oh man, I just closed my app. Give me one second. <laughs> uh, do your Rookie home- move, man. Do your homework, Patrick. Rookie move. You gotta keep that <laughs> open, uh, Mr. Stats. It's Strasburg versus Bueller. Absolute oh, gem of a matchup. Man. Strasburg's pitching on little rest though, is he not? Yeah, one, uh, one day less. One day less, and I believe Bueller is full. Is a full day, a full rest. He was game two yeah. or game one. Yeah, game one. I don't think Strasburg's that great on short rest either, is he not? I mean, tough, tough to say. He doesn't have that much playoff experience. Um, but I, I think this is going to be one of those games that it might end up being like a rare pitcher's duel in the playoffs, like one two nothing maybe. Kind of like what game two was. Yeah, it's always tough, though, because Chavez's, Chavez's Ravine, where Dodger Stadium is, is a huge hitter's paradise. Mm-hmm. The ball flies yeah. out of there. I think it's going to be one of those games where it's either a pitcher's duel or, like, 10-9. So let's say Washington does pull off the upset and beat the Dodgers. It's Washington and St. Louis in the NLCS. Who do you got in that? St. Um, Louis. I think if Washington gets over the hump and beats the Dodgers, they're going to go to the World Series. Wouldn't that be yep. something? Bryce yeah. Harper leaves and then they win the World Series. Like I think that's a big narrative too. Like, <laughs> like I don't know. I got some. I feel good about this Washington team. I, I want to put money on them now. I didn't feel good about them going into the playoffs. I, I thought they were going to blow it and Philly was going to take them over. But man, they love to rebound after those games. Like after game one, oh, this is over. It's over. And then they just come back with a great game in game two. And then, yeah, game three, eh, looked a little bad again. Yeah. And then game four, they come back. I can see if they can string together two good games in a row, the Dodgers don't look like the Dodgers sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like their hitting's a little, well, just a little off, you know, but it's still the Dodgers. They're still the best team in the NL. Who do you got in this one, Patrick? Who do you think? I think it's going to be the Nationals because I think Strasburg is the was the best pitcher in the NL this past season. Um, no disrespect, men, uh, to anybody on the Dodgers staff, but look at that one, two, three in Washington. That's as good as it gets. That's like about a step and a half beneath uh, the '90s Braves as far as like elite pitchers. And I think Strasburg is going to take them all the way. I think you're right. I think if they can beat the Dodgers, I think they're going to roll right over St. Louis and they're going to get to the World Series. And depending on who it is, could be Tampa. Can you imagine Tampa versus Washington I in the World Series? Game. Wouldn't watch a single game. <laughs> no, nope, I, w- I wouldn't either. Neither yeah, anybody but in I, Tampa I tell Bay. you, Washington would wa- walk right over them. Yeah, I, I've got the I've got the Dodgers, and the reason being that Walker Bueller holds opposing batters to a 208 average at home in home games mm-hmm. and his whip is below point zero point nine. Um, so he just doesn't give up base runners at home. I just think uh, that combined with the Dodgers being at home is going to be the difference. They were saying that Bueller starting game one and Kershaw starting game two was a little bit of a changing of the guard 
in L.A. Totally. It was kind of like, a, hey, you know what? Kershaw is still probably one of the best pitchers in baseball, but Bueller's our guy going forward. And yeah. Kershaw, we still love you. You'll still have a spot in our team, obviously. Yeah. But you know what? Bueller, I think, is going to be their ace next year. One and... of my biggest regrets is trading away Walker Bueller in my dynasty baseball league. Yeah, you can't be doing that. What a horrible decision. Um, either way, it's going to be a fun <laughs> night, and it's going to be a fun um, NLCS and ALCS series, no matter who wins. Um, let's get to some grading, shall we? We're grading the uh, Blue Jays outfield this year, or th- tonight. Yeah. Um, because it was the year of the tryout mm. for the Blue Jays outfield. It was it was a revolving door. Kevin Pillar obviously traded after the first week. Uh, Gritch Daddy, Guriel Jr., they were really the only two solid pieces of our outfield. After that, it was just a toss-up between Teoscar Hernandez, Billy, McKin- Billy McKinney, Socrates Brito, Jonathan <laughs> Davis, Derek Fisher, Brandon Jury, on and on and on. Our outfield was just a mess this year. Like, it was... It wasn't a mess. Like at times they played really good, but yeah. a mess in the sense of there was no consistent lineup. It was just all over the place. Um, we kind of have it in three different categories here. We have the guys who are clearly going to be back next year, the fringe guys, and the guys that we don't really want back at all because they're bad. Um, let's start out with uh, the guy who has the biggest contract in the outfield, uh, Randall Grichuk. He was playing right field and center field. He had some pretty good numbers, again, after a little bit of a slow start. But 31 home runs, 80 RBIs. He only hit 232, but we know that he's not going to have a high batting average. Um, did Randall Grichuk, Randall Grichuk live up to expectations for you, Patrick? Uh, short answer is no. The long answer is no, but he hit a lot of the <laughs> metrics that we had discussed. Uh, we've been harping on this. Since Grichuk first joined the team, we were hoping that he would be a 30 home run, 80 RBI kind of guy. The problem is that he strikes out way too much. Mm -hmm. Uh, We overpaid him on that contract, or at least that's the way it looks right now. Um, And I'll let Justin talk a little bit about the more advanced metrics. Um, I would like to see more plate discipline from him. Um, But we did start to see that in the back half of the season. Yeah, no, I mean, you're, you're right, Patrick. He And you, you mentioned it too, Clayton, that he started off super slow, as Grichuk tends to do. Um, but as the season wore on, I mean, yeah, he hit the home runs. We we all kind of thought he would hit about 30 home runs this year if he could stay healthy. And it's, this is the the season that Randall Grichuk finally played a full year. First season, he cracked 500 at-bats, and he got over 600. Mm-hmm. And, he's, and he's, play, he's been like a basically a full-time big leaguer since 2015. Um, his strikeout rate was the lowest of his career, 26%. But his walk rate is below six. It actually decreased over last year. It's down to five point six percent, which is not ideal. Um, his on base percentage is only two eighty. But his his weighted on base average, so what what would be expected of him was actually three oh seven. So he's underperforming that number, uh, which which is down even from last year. Um, we talk about WRC plus every once in a while, where league average is a hundred. His was 90 this year, so he's below average for that. Not by um, much, but... Not by much, but he added 0.5 wins above replacement. Teams are paying about $10 million for a, a one-war player now, mm. it seems. So, I mean, not far off his contract value. Um, he's he's stable. He's not a terrible defender. He doesn't hurt you out there. He'll make good plays. He's got a decent arm, uh, he's, and he's a leader in the clubhouse. By all accounts, like a pretty good dude. He's never been in any scandals off, on and off the field, so... Um, I think he gets like a a B minus from me just because of the the plate discipline and the, and the lack of the ability to get on base. Mm-hmm. It's either kind of a home runner bust with him. For me, he gets a B plus because he's just been solid, and yeah. we didn't really have that solid presence in our outfield. 
and he was just the solid guy that we need and that we'll need for the next two or three years. It's it's It says something when a guy can play a full season. Mm-hmm. That because definitely helps. <laughs> he is still kind of on the young side, but he also has that veteran moxie to him, mm-hmm. and that's going to be big in the next couple of years for the Jays. So I'll say B+. Plus. Uh, Patrick, what are you giving him? Uh, he gets a C from me. I was really disappointed with how poor his plate discipline was at the start of the year. We lost a lot of fucking games in May and June, uh, and a lot of the, that has to do with the growing pains of rookies. But when it was time for someone like Randall Grichik, who was supposed to be the veteran, uh, he was out there striking out with them, and the team looked really, really bad. And I don't know if he is worth the money that we'll be paying him for the next like five additional years. Well, I guess we're just going to see whether or not he can improve on the plate discipline next year. Maybe if he can work with a better hitting coach, uh, he might get a little bit more discipline. So his grade is? C. C, C. gotcha. Um, Lourdes Gurriel Jr., coming up next here. He had 20 dingers, 50 RBIs, and 343 plate appearances. He hit 277, but his on base was 327. Mm-hmm. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. got on base, and that's one thing that we love on this podcast. His war was 1.8 which is very, very good. Um, he just switched positions, and it just made him into a totally different baseball Stud, player. really. Like, he had a really, really good year. Um, Patrick, we'll start with you on Lord Escurial Jr. He gets a B from me. Um, I was really pleased with his offensive production. Um, we did kind of see, like, he does have the ability to steal some bases. He's got a little bit of speed on the base paths, but he's got that power kind of like what his brother does, um, but he can hit for average, too. Uh, his weighted on base percentage, uh, or is that what that is, WOBA? It's weighted on base average, but yeah, weighted on oh, base. Oh, weighted, yeah. weighted on base average is 358. That seems good to me, I guess. Good. <laughs> uh, 541 slug, 868 OPS. These are good numbers. I really wish he would get his plate discipline down. Um it was on par with Randall Grichuk's, and if it's not acceptable for Randall Grichuk, it's not acceptable for Guriel. So he loses a full letter grade from me just because he strikes out way too much, and he's just he's got to be more patient at the plate. If he just has a, that just a little bit more, I think he would be a legitimate like star. I think he would be in the same sentence as Vladdy and Bo and. Kavan Biggio as far as stardom and I think that he will be uh, what we need in a corner outfield position for years and years to come and we have him for cheap for years and years to come as well yeah no I I'm not sure if I put him in the same tier as as those three names that you mentioned maybe with the same tier as Biggio in terms of like overall value and production I think Vladi and Bo are going to be on a different level but the thing I like about Guriel over Grichuk is that, um, yeah, the contract is amazing. Like, we signed him to a seven-year, like, $22 million contract. So his average year of, average value of contract is, like, $3 million a year. His contract was tiered, so he started off getting paid low and then uh, went higher. So he'll be at $5.4 million. Um, but it seems like he can hit for average. So he hits 50 points higher than Randall Grichuk does. And that's remains that that's, is something. All right, so a grade for Lord Escariel Jr. Um as a second baseman, F. As a left fielder, uh, A minus. A minus. A minus. Okay, I'm giving him a B. Great year, but the start of the year, I can't forget that. 
but I'm giving him a solid B. It would have been a B plus if it wasn't for the start of his year. Uh, let's get to the next two guys, which are contenders to be on our team next year. Guys who we'd like to see back, but if they weren't, not the worst thing in the world. I think we can both agree, or all agree, that Lord Escuriel Jr. and Gritchick will be on the team next year. Uh, Teoscar Hernandez, he had uh, 26 home runs. He had 65 RBIs. His on-base percentage was 306, but his average was 230. If you thought that Gritchick and Guriel Jr. struck out a lot, Woof. Teoscar, 33% of the time, Woof. is striking out. Like, one out of every three at-bats is basically a strikeout. Like, that is... That's not good at all, but the thing is he has those flashes where he looks like one yeah. of the best players in baseball. Uh, Justin, <coughs> we'll start with you here on mm-hmm. Teoscar Hernandez. Yeah, I mean, his second half after the All-Star break was one of the best on the team. Uh, I think he's, his slugging percentage, or his OPS is over 900 in the second half. Uh, and he did bring his walk rate up a couple percent this year, which is something that we harped on him hard for last year. So his average may have dropped uh, nine points over last year, but he raises on base by four. So um, I I hate him in the outfield. I just want to see him be a DH. I think this guy could be a 35 home run hitter as a DH. Um, and with Justin Smoke maybe not being back, and if they give Ryder Tellez first base, that's going to leave some DH at-bats open for Teoscar Hernandez. True. You give him the odd day in left field or right field or center field as a give somebody else a day off out there and then rotate Roddy Telez in the DH spot and whoever else they have playing first base next year. Um, there could be some spots, th- th- a lot of DH at-bats for Teoscar. He could get 600 at-bats next year as a DH. Hopefully. Um, I think that's the best place for him. You look at this year, I mean, he spent some time down in Buffalo, obviously, because of the struggles. Uh, so he probably would have had over about over 500 at-bats, but you give him a full season and give him like 550, 600 at-bats, he probably hits 35, 40 home runs. His war was 1.2 as well. Yeah. Pretty good. He, so. he wasn't a negative contributor no. by any means. And 102 WRC plus above mm-hmm. average player. Um, I'm going to give him a C plus for the offense. It'd be like an F for the defense because I just don't like him in the outfield. But C plus for his offense. With, Patrick? With B plus potential. T. Oscar Hernandez, what are you giving him for a grade? Oh, well, before we get there, I've got we've got a little bit of a walk uh, to get to get to that grade. Uh, so he started the season needing to cut down significantly on strikeouts, improving the walk ratio and improving his defensive performance. Uh, well, he played 125 games and he ended up being exactly the kind of player we thought he was, uh, which was a player who is about replacement level, uh, who strikes out well above league average. He's got the power He's not unbearably bad in the outfield. Um, I'm cool with him getting an F or a D. I would give him a D. Uh, I don't think he's the worst outfielder that I've ever seen. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm just feeling nice uh, right now. But That's never happened in a gritting episode before. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, I mean, if it wasn't for Guriel, I think he he would actually have a worse grade because there'd be more eyes on his outfield performance. Um, he and Rowdy Telez actually have very similar numbers at the plate, although I think Rowdy played less games uh, than T. Oscar did. But as far as like their power output, it's actually pretty close. Uh, mm-hmm. Hernandez is two and a half years older. He does have a higher ceiling than Rowdy. Uh, but Telez does not have 
any future whatsoever as a positional player. Not that Rowdy necessarily does. Um, I'm not sure if it's time to just call it and say that he can't hit 240. Um, but I want a slash line to be 240 uh, with a 310 OBP and a 500 slash line if he's going to be a, a everyday DH for us. Um, and I'd love to see him put out a year where his strikeout rate is below 30%. 33% is like that makes him pretty much a liability at the plate. Even with power, it's just you can't strike out that much. Um, he might end up being one of those players that we have for a few years. And then as soon as he hits free agency, as in his arbitration years are done, he's he's just they just let him walk because there's just no reason to keep him. He's just a replacement level player. That being said, like I love his power and he definitely had a, an excellent second half. But think about how bad his numbers would be if he didn't have that amazing second half. We wouldn't be giving him a grade above an F. So he gets a D plus for me. I'll give him a C. T. Oscar had an okay year. Not okay, less than okay, yeah. but I'll still give him a C because I mean twenty six home runs, sixty five RBI is not bad, but yeah, he's gotta <clears throat> he's gotta stop with striking out. Uh Billy McKinney. Yikes. Huh. Uh, he hit 215. His on-base was 274. When your on-base is hovering around that 270 mark, you know you're not doing too many great things. Uh, he strikes out a lot, too. 26.4%. Uh, strikeout percentage. Um, doesn't even walk that much. Nope. Didn't really have a lot of pop in his bat. He was supposed to be our fourth outfielder, but for me, he was disappointing. Disappointing starts with D. He's getting a D from me. Yeah, my thoughts exactly. I mean... A 0.0 war player, 79 WRC+. plus. I'm not sure how he didn't have a negative wins above replacement. I don't know, maybe Fangraphs doesn't go negative. I don't know. <laughs> but other than that, I mean, yeah, he hit 215 and 275 at-bats. That's got to be worth, a, worth at least a D, or if not lower. Mm-hmm. F. He was extremely disappointing. And he took playing time away from other outfielders that we could have used. Anthony Alford. Uh, exactly. He took time, playing time away from Anthony Alford. Even though Alford's not a right fielder, they could have shifted things around and put Grichuk in right and then had Anthony in center field. Instead, we got to see 84 games of Billy McKinney and 37 games of Jonathan Davis. And I'll talk about him in a minute. But Billy McKinney gets an F. F, 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 F. I, I didn't like the fact that, yeah, we played this guy, we have no intention of keeping him, and yet we couldn't see our young guys who we do want to keep instead. Like, the whole Billy McKinney thing just yeah boggled my mind this year. I really Congrats, don't know what, what they were doing there. It's almost as if Shapiro and Atkins are up to something, guys. <laughs> it's almost as if they're up to something. Every I time Clay mentions that, finish your drink. I don't know. Um, Jonathan Davis. Uh, these next two guys, by the way, they're they're on the bubble. They're on the fringe. Yeah, they're they're off they the fringe. They're in back. the sand. Let's put it that way. Uh, Jonathan Davis. Again, he only played 37 games, but he had 95 plate appearances, two home runs, six RBIs, sick, uh, and he struck out one every four at bats. Great defender, though. Uh, great defender. Like, Insane defender. Great at defense, but just can't hit major league pitching. Yeah, unless you're John McDonald you can get away with your awesome defense and no offense. You're not John McDonald, Jonathan Davis. Yeah. So, sorry, bud. For me, you get a D-. minus. Um, Yeah, I, I'm going to give him a D-, plus just for his defense alone. 
Um, he made some great catches. That catch he made in Tampa Bay like, mm-hmm. in May in the season was one of the top plays of the MLB season. Just full out sprint, dive, make the catch. But when your ISO, which is the isolated power metric, is below 100, you're not doing well. His average, his BABIP is 224. He just doesn't hit the ball hard enough. Mm-hmm. He's just a weak. He swings a little stick up there at the plate. By the looks of his wrist, just looks super weak. Um, yeah, D plus. Patrick. I mean, Johnny Mac's career average was 233, so he had something going on. He had something, a little bit of something at the plate. <laughs> Jonathan Davis is an MLB-level defender with a double-A-level bat. Mm-hmm. It's just you you cannot afford in this hyper-competitive AL East to be fielding a, a, an outfielder who is hitting yeah. below 220, uh, which means Billy McKinney, Jonathan Davis... Uh, Derek Fisher, Socrates Brito, uh, all these guys, even Anthony Alford's limited playing time. It's not enough for us to give him a grade, but these guys, they're, it's a waste of time. It's a waste of time to put them out on the field because they, they're just not putting it together at the plate. Um, Jonathan Davis, I think he's an incredible athlete, MLB-level defender. I wouldn't say that he's gold glove level, but he's definitely strong. Um, double a level hitter he'll he may never put it together in mlb i can't say definitively that he won't um, but i'll say that some guys just never put it together and even if they're great with the glove they just they can't hit and he can't, he doesn't generate walks and he has no power so i don't know yeah, F. for me, yeah. yeah, for me he gets another i, I just he's 27 he's out of options he's the kind of guy that will just not be on the roster because we need to free up some 40-man space. Yeah. Speaking of guys who won't be on the roster, uh, Derek Fisher. Uh, he had 57 games. He had 167 plate oh, appearances. Boy. He hit 185. Uh, he strikes out a lot, too. A little bit of a theme with our outfielders. Horrible plate vision. Uh, 34% strikeout percentage, which is really bad mm-hmm. in case you were wondering. So on base was 287. He does but know how to take a walk every now and then. Still. Like, it's not like his defense is flashy or stand no. out or anything like that. He took a fly ball to the face, Clayton. Exactly. So for that, he gets an F. Yeah, I mean, oh, man, if, if his strikeout rate wasn't so high, I would see promise here. But the fact that he's striking out as much as he does and hitting below 200, um, it just goes to show me that there is not a future for Derek Fisher in Major League Baseball. He's put up some great numbers in the minor leagues, but so has Socrates Brito. And we know what happened to him. He went like 0 for 33 before we finally um, decided, like, hey, this guy's not very good. So I would give Derek Fisher a, a big old dirty F, too. Are we going <laughs> Fs across the board, Patrick? Yeah, but I've got more to say. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> here's, here's, the thing, here's the thing with Derek Fisher, okay? We have to say some nice things about him because I'm about to say some, like, oh some give you some hard facts about his performance. He did hit six home runs in 93 at-bats after uh, the trade, and he did generate 14 walks, so those don't count in the at-bats. Those would have been hit the, I think, all of the other plate appearances because I don't think he got beamed. Um, so he has the ability to generate walks, and he does have power. If you can hit six home runs in every 93 at-bats, that's about seven home runs every 100 at-bats. 
which means that if he had 500 at-bats, he'd hit 35 home runs. That's really, really good. The problem is you can't have a player like that in the lineup who's hitting 35 home runs and also striking out like 400 times. <laughs> you, you you can't. <laughs> I mean, and as as much as I'd love to see Derek Fisher hit 35 home runs in MLB, I don't want to see him strike out 400 times. Um, that would make him even worse than Adam Dunn, if anybody remembers oh, that name from bad. the 2000s. That's real bad. It's real bad. And the thing is, he hit 161 after the trade with the Jays, which meant he was hitting better with Houston before he got dealt. I see the power upside. I see some of the plate patience, the upside. Defensively, he's a pure write-off. I mean, the he let the baseball hit himself in the fucking face like i'm like i know like curtis granderson in his first game as jay he made that like mistake of losing the ball in the lights and people remember that but like granderson is like one of the one of the best players that we've seen play in toronto in a long time um at least throughout his entire career maybe not in his single season but like Derek fisher he I don't understand because Ross Atkins was very creepy and excited about having Fisher on the team after trading like Cal Stevenson, who's actually like a serviceable player. It made no fucking sense. And I defended the shit out of this trade because I thought it was time for Biagini and Sanchez to go. And maybe Fisher did have the upside. He has power, but we can't do this all or nothing bullshit anymore where it's just like, well, he strikes out 34% of the time. It just doesn't fly, and he only had nine other hits in the rest of those at-bats, which is pathetic. Like, guys, he didn't. He wasn't even close to hitting 200. And like I said earlier, if you can't hit 220 in MLB, get out of the fucking way. And yet this guy took up all these starts, and Anthony Alford didn't really get a chance. And it's really frustrating because I feel like there's – there's some other reason why Anthony Alford's being held back. He's out of options this year, isn't he? Yeah, he's got to make the team next year or he gets DFA'd. Yeah, I mean, obviously they made the right he's choice. Dalton Pompey. Yeah, he's going to get Pompey's still in Buffalo. <laughs> I know, but the th- and he, He'll be he in could end training up next coming year. back. But, like, it's crazy to me to think that Anthony Alford's being suppressed in the system at, when he clearly is a better runner, a better fielder, uh, and probably a better hitter than Fisher and Davis at the very least. I do think over a longer stretch of time, he could be a better contact hitter than Billy McKinney, and he would definitely steal more bases. So I really don't understand why these guys kept getting trotted out. And Anthony Alford barely got a sniff of playing time. And as a result, if you were to cherry pick Anthony Alford's numbers based on his limited playing time, it looks like he played like shit. And it's just not true. He had a great AAA season. So Derek Fisher's getting an F- minus for me, because not only because of what he represents in the trade, which is a very clear mismanagement of the roster and roster moves, but also the fact that he is blocking Anthony Alford, a player that we need to get time in the lineup. Uh, it's just... You just know it's that really, you just know really, that Alfred's gonna be one of those guys who's gonna go somewhere else and probably light it up. 
I just have that feeling about him. You guys got to get off this Anthony Alford hype train. No you guys are just like, do you guys want to start a fan club on Facebook for the guy? Or like, had, definitely would have been better than the I'll other make, three I'll get my, I'll reactivate my Facebook just to do that for Jeez, you, Clayton. Jeez. <laughs> Anthony Alford lovers over here. Is he your Valentine or something? I like, she's a nice guy. Man. Look at what Dwight Smith did in Baltimore, though he had a negative uh, 0.94. Dwight Smith didn't do anything after April. He, but he did hit 13 home runs, and his batting average was 241. And I definitely think Anthony Alford can do better than that. Yeah, yeah, I didn't think he might be reaching there, bud. But again, it's almost as if the guys who traded for Derek Fisher are up to something. <laughs> it's weird. Um, that's it. That's all for this episode of Bat Flips and Maple Dips. Again, thanks for listening, whether it be on uh, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, all the things, Anchor, that jazz, um, Bat Flips and Maple Dips podcast, or at BFMD podcast on the Facebook, the Twitter, the Instagram, all that fun stuff. Uh, we'll see you next week. We're going to be talking more playoffs. We'll be grading the infield, I believe, uh, next week as well. Given those Maybe. We might out. save them for last because of the because they're the most fun. Yeah, but I want to talk about something positive, and when we grade our pitchers, it's going to be an absolute nightmare. Can't wait. Absolute nightmare. I live for nightmares. I'm be so depressed. Um, for Patrick, for Justin, see you later. What's our uh, see you later song here today, Patrick? I'm going with the song that was number one when I was born, and that is Phil Collins' Susudio. Yikes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> talk to you next week. See you later.